right, Carl, you, <coughs> you done on Tinder and everything? Hold up. That's my son. It's like a black leprechaun. Gotta hit one now of I know how to find a gift. Oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> oh, that's I what it's never thought oh, it's, Yeah, it's about, a, uh, about a black leprechaun was seen in the neighborhood. It's the Heckleproof Comedy Podcast with Zach Bolton and Carl Lee and Maddie J. Tonight's episode, music producer, Anthony Cazenza. Oh, what's up, guys? Here we go. Welcome back to Hell Proof Podcast. Still doing it, still loving it. We're back. I'm your boy, Carl Lee. I'm Zach. And I'm Maddie J. And let's show some love to our sponsors. Boom, representing, representing. Check it. Hawaiian Hut. You got that good teriyaki chicken and that amazing macaroni salad. Wow. I think we need to get paid more after that. Man. And also and also Chadwick, show my love to Chadwick, Chadwick's Comedy Club, Chadwick's Pub. And Medford Rotten Custom. Carl mm-hmm. messes that one up, so I'll take Messes that. that one up. Right. Didn't they change their name though? <laughs> uh, I think they did. They did. You messed it up still. You messed it up. Well, ah, Levi's gonna have to put their right, What is it, Carl? What is it? I don't find out. I don't know. Oh, man. We are just blowing it. Levi will flash it up on the screen. Yeah, Levi will save us. Yeah, Levi will go do his research. He's like, these motherfuckers kill me. And this poor, this poor gentleman that's mashed in between all of our oh, egos yeah. today. Who is this man? All right, this is Mr. Anthony Cusenza. Hey. Nice to be here. Ooh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is the first time I've talked to one of my friends into being on the show. Normally, we've been interviewing. I know, exactly. You guys' is friends. I heard this was a professional show. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you so immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, my favorite topic, really. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to be talking about music uh, because you know this this podcast has gotten musical on several occasions. I think some of our best little clips are us doing one of the mm-hmm. impromptu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always refer to music somehow. That's true. In so our podcast, it somehow. only makes sense that we circle back around. And here's why this is cool. Because not only is this fine gentleman uh, somebody that I've been involved with in the scene with for years and have watched him grow and evolve as a musician, but he's also a producer of music, which a lot of people don't fully know what producer means. They think producer, uh-huh. they think Hollywood show is that he's the guy that makes sure that we all have the coffee and donuts yeah. available. No, a producer typically of music is somebody who will possibly compose the entire song, sometimes put together the song based on ideas, but always make the song palatable for the general yeah. public. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big kind of deal yeah. to get a chance to talk with a producer and hopefully today you'll learn a little bit about what goes behind the scenes of making music. Yeah. You can talk all day about that. You can <laughs> talk all day. That's true. And, uh, and Zach also is a buddy yes. producer, so yeah. I thought it might yeah. be interesting I for him. In yeah. yeah. I, 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 I say you more than dabble, man. You do a great job. You have some oh, stuff that I really enjoy listening to, so. You've been holding out on me like I'm on your podcast. I don't even have Oh. I know you're going to be a big critic, so i got to wait until I bring something. Right, that's true. Are you yeah. making beats and doing uh, something? Good? I haven't gotten to the making beats part. That, that part for me, I struggle with. That's a little mm. that's a, that's a little hard. But um, I do lyrics and, and cover cover songs or beats that I've purchased. So. Nice. But you're actually yeah. recording the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. A whole, I have like $10,000 worth of recording setup that I have at home that I, you know, every now and again I'll get into making music. Mm-hmm. 
get a, get an itch that I have to scratch. I still remember the day I was eight years old and I saw the first guy uh, with a drum machine. Mm. And I remember it vividly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. Right. Yeah. What yeah. is that and when can I get one? Yeah. Right. So so you were eight and where were you when you went? That was Michigan. And yeah. Was he in the studio? Was he just sitting at home with it? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a friend and luckily uh, his parents both had a band and they had their whole basement was converted into a studio and it just blew my mind. I knew I wanted to do that now. At a very early age. Wow. So you've yeah. been for quite a while. So you started around eight? His <laughs> <laughs> mind started. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that just gave you a passion for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And when you see that gear the first time, uh, that's what really changed the world. Oh, for sure. You have to see it up close. And also the generation that we're from, gear was just coming into the, the space age. You know, As far as we were concerned, this was futuristic, yes, yeah, it was. robotic yeah. style stuff, you know, yeah. cool. because we came from analog analog stuff right mm-hmm. so like you know even the synthesizers yes, if you yeah. open them up back in the day mm-hmm. they were moving parts in there it wasn't yeah. just all microchip based so it was interesting I know as, as I saw stuff growing up as a kid anytime you saw a little glimpse into how music was made I was like glued to whatever I was watching or if I got a chance to watch a band yeah. practice or something it yeah. was like boy these days the tools are amazing there's so much yeah. stuff out there it's crazy right and that's like for example with Zach if he has an idea uh, he has a world available to him of different beats to select. I remember That's trying to put together some hip-hop stuff when I re- became interested in it back in the day and finding a beat that wasn't just so cheesy and just full MIDI. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, still I have, uh, issue? I have a microphone. It's, it's called a Slate, digital Slate microphone. Nice. Actually, yeah, you probably know. It, it, it emulates, you can, it's a program, too, that you have access to. It emulates, you know, a bunch of different like, 100 different microphones so you can get, you know, these sound really yeah. good. Really yeah, these are good. These are sweet road. It's like, I was like, fuck, I just need to record. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were talking about that before. It's hard for us not to to actually start the show because we just start talking in here. Yeah. Your own sounds voice good. sounds really good through yeah. this setup. So you want to hear more of yourself. I that's what got me into music. I love myself. hearing myself and I was like, ah, oh, that sounds cool. Well, that's like really being able to monitor it while you're on the microphone. Because some people can't stand their me. own voice. Me, I right? can't stand here yeah. on set. Like, you I think can't. you know what it sounds like when <laughs> the first time you yeah. Yeah. recorded it. You're like, what? Can you turn down the suck? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know, with, with me, it may be different. Everybody's musical mm-hmm. journey is a little different. But I know for me, what got me introduced to wanting to get studio gear and wanting to learn recording is because I was raised as a poor black child. Mm. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was raised with just enough uh, money for like an acoustic guitar. We mm. had a, a piano, but that was where it ended. That like kind of bankrupted my family for them to, be able to give me that was a big deal, right? And so I, I mean, the, I, the opportunity for me to record a song was never gonna be a thing unless somehow I could learn it. Yeah, if I could get the gear and I could learn how to do it, then I could record mm-hmm. and I could produce. But there was no way some kid from a farm in Eagle Point was going to mm-hmm. be able to produce. And that's the beautiful thing about what Anthony's doing is he gives some kid from a farm mm-hmm. the ability who has gotten an idea and, and beautiful lyrics. He can say, this is what I want. He, he gives them a venue where he can create mm-hmm. everything you need to help you put out your art. That's cool you know that about me. It's weird that you do though, but like a lot of the times, I mean, I get paid for a lot of the stuff I do, but a, a lot of the time, if I can help anybody, there you like, go. that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's in people in different countries who can't afford it, you know, they don't have the gear. And um, like a guy in Jamaica hit me up the other day, he's like, I want to pay you to master a song, and I'm like, I'm probably still not going to take the guy's money. 
Like right. I probably won't. I'll do the job for him for sure and just kick it back to him and, and it's going to be good. But And we'll work together in the future and I'll probably get that money from him sometime. Right, right. right. So much of it is just doing stuff for people that so they get it done because I know what it's like not to you get it done. You know what it's like. Done. That's it. You know what it's like. Well, and like even the name of your studio, which if it's still the same as Small X, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like what does that mean to you? Small X takes down a big tree. Exactly. <laughs> small X. Like, oh, I see. Oh, I see. Oh, but I also oh, like the idea that if you say it fast enough, it sounds like small ask. <laughs> and and then here's the thing, like when you are a when you're a buddy musician and you don't have resources and you have nothing but heart mm -hmm. and an idea. Passion. You have little brother energy. You come to somebody else and you literally plead with them, like, please help me. And it's a fucking it's a big axe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in a way, yeah. like, please help me put my music out. And I love that, you know, what you're doing is like, A, it's cool, but B, you're also winning awards and shit. Like, he's being all humble over here, like, yes, yeah. sometimes I've been able to do some things. Right. <laughs> in the reggae world, you know, they'll, I know that. they'll know exactly who we're sitting with, mm -hmm. although it goes slightly by a different name, which I know you as. Yeah. Which is Ross. Ross so, Cricket. Ross Cricket. Mm -hmm. you ever heard Stage name and that okay. kind of thing. I like that. Right. That was actually, um, let's see, 20, 20 years ago. Wow. And, you, and, and you got that name. Yeah. Uh, that was not a self-imposed. Right, right. No. Typical white, typical white reggae song. Do, do you have a story behind how you got the name? Uh, my friends called me Cricket when I was 17, like in Michigan, before I moved out to Oregon. Then okay. When I moved out to Oregon and I was so steeped in reggae, just doing it all the time. And then friends of mine called me Ross Cricket and it stuck. Hmm. And yeah, 20 years ago is when I first started putting that name uh, with some of my reggae productions mm -hmm. online and uh, yeah I still talk to a lot of people from around the world that I knew through that website where I posted my music and it, it it's really encouraging because it gets other people to do their stuff you know and just like with you guys with comedy when you encourage each other to uh, be better comedians you know like, right so it's cool yeah it's been yeah. a long time going and so you have, how long has your studio been operational? Like from the, from the, the first time you were able to record what you wanted to do, let's say all the way through now, how many years has that been? It's been about, um, about 12 that I've had it back here in Oregon. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. When I moved back from Washington, I, it's, I came with everything that fit in a car. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. And so now when I get those new guitars or something, I feel really happy or proud about it because I actually did work and paid for that mm -hmm. stuff. And right. There you go. Oh, I have told people that so much. Like some of the stuff I've bought from shows that we did with the band, it doesn't matter how meager that thing was. It, it's the fact that that came from music money. Yeah. 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 You know, like mm -hmm. I get these royalty checks every great once in a while and they're not big. Minor neither. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you realize how many thousands of plays it actually takes to make one dollar. Yeah, yeah. It exactly. Does, it does feel bigger mm -hmm. when you get that check, but it might only be like 20, 30 bucks and you have to be okay with it. Yeah. At least it's something, right? But whatever you buy with that 20 to $30, it's like every guidance counselor you ever had, every non, <laughs> every every non supportive family member. When you cash that check, it's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's wrong? All of y'all. <laughs> who's right? Me tonight. All of y'all. <laughs> oh, That's great. No, I, I, love, uh, I love seeing people's musical journey. Now, what was the first instrument that you played? First, technically, was violin. 
Oh, wow. Mm. Okay, so yeah. that's something I didn't know about you. Nice. No, I, uh, it's really weird. My sister, she's six years older now. I was probably three years old, I guess the story goes. My family still tells me all the time. But I can remember the day, because she's doing this exercise called peanut butter sandwich. Oh, wow. Dun, 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm this kid, and I can hear her doing it. And in my mind, I picture what needs done. And I'm sitting there waiting for her to do it. I'm just like, please do it right. Please do it right. And I just went up. I guess I grabbed the violin. I put it on a coffee table. And started showing her. <laughs> yeah. And everybody oh, wow. were like, okay. Like, maybe this kid is supposed yeah. to be doing music. Oh, <laughs> what's funny about that, though, is that I, what was going on visually for me in my head, like, I could see it. And, like, when I first started listening to music and, and like, Chuck Mangione had a very famous song Chuck in the 70s. Chuck cold, boy. Cool uh, instrumental. Cold. But the melody would go through my head, and I would see it and visualize it. And Before so I, you could even really play. Right. You're like envisioning what their arms are doing or all what kinds of things. Are doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so music's been a visual thing as much as audio almost, you know, like I, I see the shapes or whatever. And mm. it's weird. That's dope. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the interesting thing to me is like knowing that you spent so much time in the world of reggae and yet having jammed with you and having gone out and listened to you play in various different ways. Uh, one of the things I find interesting is that you play all different styles of music there's there's very Thank few you. musicians i know that dabble in lots of music and like for example uh, uh dave that plays with us in legendary good times our bass player he plays so many instruments yeah and he's phenomenal yeah he's really good anything that he touches and i've noticed that you as a guitar player i've always said you're like a chameleon because every time i've seen you on guitar you just sort of like merge into whatever style of music is being played i like and, that uh, because like when you're tasked with doing recordings for other people and that kind of, they might need something different and you got to step up to it. So. Right. So, and that's an important thing. Sometimes like, like for a guy like you, this is an interesting thought. Like if you go into the studio, right. Every once in a while, uh, depending on your role in the studio, you might not be there to be you. Right. You might be there to just fall in line with a nice mix of somebody else's style and not put your flavor on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense for sure. So you don't, you don't stick to just one genre. You kind of, you know, whatever. Try to stay uh, hip to a lot of them because yeah, you good. never know when that day to get hired for something might come. Right. Well, that's, that's why. Good. That's a good outlook. That's why you got Quincy Jones. Oh yeah. yeah. Being that man that he is, because Quincy Jones produced so much music that people don't even know that mm -hmm. that was his. I'm talking about in the '60s, mm. producing white artists. Yeah. Writing for uh, producing songs for white female artists in the yeah, he was 60s. like he was seeking he would, out artists. Yeah, and yeah. Producing you have no clue that was Quincy Jones. You think that's 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 not that's because of him. That's Crazy. not soul music. That's not. But Quincy was just it's it's just like he said. Like he he doesn't just stick to one genre. He wants it all. Right. I mean, yeah. he wants it all. That's what makes music such a beautiful thing. Is there's so much that happens behind the scenes that people don't really understand. I mean, a lot of these. There's a producer that's of my generation named Benny Blanco that does a lot of pop and like yep. rap stuff. And he's put together. He started when he was like 12. Yeah. Right? Grammy, Grammy award winning yeah, songs. Nice. And yeah. nobody knows who he is really, except for he's on that show. Uh, Dave, Lil Dicky show that, mm -hmm. that he's kind of <laughs> made a little more of a name on himself and he's on TikTok. He always makes fun of uh, Charlie Puth on there. They go back and forth. It's pretty funny. But, yeah. I watched um, this, a Netflix documentary um, about pop music mm -hmm. and it has about eight, eight series, eight parts to it. And it was about, one of them was about the bands and the producers coming out of Sweden. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweden, because it started with ABBA. 
you know, when when when, this, when you know the the, the the Swedish people heard. I don't know ABBA. what exactly started, but it definitely something started. Oh, yeah, something, <laughs> well, well, because because ABBA is a, oh, a ABBA. Swedish band. Oh yeah, yeah. they're a Swedish band. So you know, the Swedish people heard it and was like, oh, because ABBA knew in order for us to make it big, we got to get to America. We got to we got to learn English. That we got to sing we gotta English, do. and mm-hmm. so all the songs are English. So all those all those. You know, p- people who had that uh, the passion and the desire were just picking up on it, and I learned that so many of them became uh, producers for like the Britney Spears, the NSYNCs, and all uh-huh. these hip hop artists. All these people like watch that documentary about Sweden producers, right, right. and it's amazing. Cool, what they were doing that's, is like that's one of the things that cracked me up about pop music too, because like I started messing with pop music a few years ago with one of my own solo projects because I, I I have all these weird ideas that don't always work in a band. And I think any musician will tell you sometimes you get haunted mm. by an idea. And sometimes the only way to unhaunt it is to put it out there, to get it out of your head. Entertain in a form. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Record it down. Then all of a sudden it's gone and you don't have to hear it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But some of those ideas can be gold. And in, if you never do anything with them. So I started this project years ago to like do my own weird <laughs> songs where I record all the parts mm-hmm. and do all my pieces and stuff like that. And um, what I learned from doing that is the same thing like I would I would have people come in and work with me on on various parts where I'm like hey I want to have a vocalist come in and normally when you do that on anybody's project like you're just falling in line yeah you're just making them sound better and I would always tell them like no I'm I'm having you here to make me sound better I, <laughs> like, I, you I want you to actually sound. yeah <laughs> do you you know well and that's what a lot of artists were doing like um Denise Williams you come in with her she's R&B singer from the um 70s 80s she sang back up for Stevie Wonder, and she sang back up for um, uh, James Taylor. Nice. And she went on to be an amazing solo artist. But they were like, I need you. I need this piece. Aretha Franklin. Yeah. And when Led Zeppelin. um, She was the same way. No, no, not. No. Who's seen seen Sweet Home Alabama? Oh, my gosh. Sweet. Oh, Oh, that's. uh, (laughs) Who? Leonard Skinner. Yeah, okay. I should know this. It I should have known that too. I'm like in a classic rock band, just about. I should know that. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you listen to the chorus, that's a black woman singing that. Huh. Right. She's singing that. And he knew about this black woman. So they woke her ass up in the middle of the night, like, come to the studio. Because you know how you guys work late. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll be, oh, yeah. the idea could come at yeah, three You got to do it right then. Yeah, so they woke her ass up. And it was funny because she would tell the story how she was in the studio with all these white folks and they singing about Alabama. She was like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you sure you want she me? Up and got <laughs> curls sure in her hair and shit. She was like, what this? She was, yeah, exactly. She saying that shit with anger. <laughs> You yeah. might think she was in there jamming like she was no, like, that's nah, a, we going to kill these motherfuckers. That's one, of the, that's one of the magical parts of studio stuff. I yeah. Think, is when you get those ideas, like you're in the mm-hmm. middle of a song. Sometimes you'll be like on hour 20 and you're just working on one part. Like mm-hmm. everything is working on the song, but there's like one part that's just not working for whatever reason. And, you know, you get to that point where it's like either we need to quit and come back tomorrow on this or we need to yeah. like mutt laying, go for 150 takes until wow. you get the perfect take. Yeah. You know? So I was Got having a slave driver. Yeah, I was having one of those nights and I, I was doing some solo stuff and, and I was actually producing a reggae song, which I was really unusual for me. But I thought, oh, I'll take a stab at a reggae song. Right. I live in Southern Oregon. Why not? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I got all the qualifications. I'm white and I live in Southern Oregon. I, was <laughs> <a> shot. <laughs> I feel guilty for that somehow. You shouldn't. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so I'm, I'm like, okay, how do I produce 
reggae you know this is new to me and so i start off and i'm like well every good reggae song's got a, a keyboard part you know so i start off with kind of the syncopated keyboard part i composed this thing and i got this buddy who used to be in a great band called soul survivors back in the day they were one of the greats and uh they kind of really got a big following and this vocalist they had he was just this kid that didn't look like he should be in a reggae band he looked like he was a trucker's kid you know and he's fronting this reggae band with such this like damaged soul Oh, that amazing <laughs> voice. Yeah, and then but he was also a total like goofball. Oh gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, years later, um, he's now that band is is defunct, and he's kind of just out doing his own thing. And I called him up. And I said, I wrote a reggae song. I want you to come sing on it. So he's there, and we're producing it. And I'm like, man, something's missing. Like it's this killer song. The lyrics are amazing, but something's missing. And I'm like, it's it's fucking reggae. Like we need horns. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so he goes. You know, he has a very particular voice, too. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, like, I, I know a guy who plays horn. You could probably call him right now. And, like, totally get him. And it, it's like fucking 10 o'clock at night or something. Like, we've been recording all day. He's like, yeah, let me just make his call. I'll call this guy. So sure enough, he's like, yeah, I got this friend. Uh, and uh, and his name's Brian, and he plays saxophone. He's really good. And Big B? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's so and that's how me and Brian started. So nice. anyway, he, he goes, uh, I'm pretty sure I can get him over here tonight. Yeah. He <laughs> calls this guy, and I don't know where this fucking guy, who is originally not from here, he had moved here, and he's yeah. like a world-class saxophone yeah, player, shows slick. up at my tiny really little backyard studio, and in the first fucking take, yeah. lays down uh, two perfect horn parts that Jeez. just took this mm-hmm. song that was a really cool song into being something that's actually like commercially viably sellable reggae song. Wow. It really made it legit. Nice. And it was one of the best songs on the record and it was nothing more than a moment of us going like, ah, oh, what's, what do we hmm. need? And yeah. him going like, I got a buddy and straight up calling Brian. That's so crazy. And Brian like ended up playing, he's played with you yeah. in, in your projects. He's played, uh, <laughs> Brian Risling is his name. He's played, yes. played with, uh, legendary good times he did the same thing for us he came into my band a couple years into us being a thing or maybe three years into us being a thing and made us sound like a grown-up band all of a sudden exactly you get that saxophone that's a good way to put it yeah Mm -hmm. that's what it does man Mm -hmm. it just takes it to a next next that's that class to it and that's what again like a producer that's their job right Mm -hmm. so their job is to take you have an idea for a song you record something at home you send it to a producer what do you think right right and his job is either to make it sound as good as possible based on what you have, or his job, if you've asked him to, is to be like, okay, here's what you need. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a killer track. I hear this. I hear that. We could call in this person. We could connect you with this other talent. And the more that Anthony works with different artists, right, he can connect the dots like that. Yeah. So he might have a, a, a badass vocalist yeah, man. Right. that exactly. really needs, like, a killer guitar player, mm-hmm. but, like, a guitar player with a true Jamaica vibe, mm. not just some regular yeah. guy. Yeah. It's going to do chicken picking, right? And he wants something with that chicken feel. Chicken picking. Right, chicken but now picking. you got a network of people that you can sort of get yeah. connections. That's yeah. so awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've struggled with the most with making my music is I get to that certain point, like you say, where you may be working on the same part for like five, ten hours and just can't quite get it right. But I have an idea in my head and I'm like, this is You what can I hear what it. it's supposed to be. I, or I yeah. know that there's a way to make it sound mm. this way. I just don't know how to do my that. My advice so. on that is when that happens is step away from it because yeah. – yeah. It should be, I'm sure you can crush it within like that two hours or one hour, you Mm -hmm. know? And when that's not happening, just find something else to do if Mm -hmm. you can, because Mm -hmm. just, you can't really force it. I'm sure that's probably the same with comedy. I'm, 
while we're talking, I'm thinking of a lot of analogies with comedy between mm-hmm. that and music. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Someone posted up the other day how they're, they're having a hard, they sat down to write bits, but they're having a hard time to write. I'm like, I've never done that. See, I, I have no idea how you guys do that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know, because every, everybody. I do, I do both, but I definitely find it's way more productive when you're just doing something else yep. and all of a sudden you get a funny yeah. idea and you're a like, premise. okay, I better stop. Let me write this premise down and yeah. I stop That's how with I that. With a lot mm-hmm. of my music is, you know, driving in the car, I'll just listen to instrumentals or something or I'll right. be in the shower and I'll You ever do that thing where you sing like, a melody oh. into your, because mm-hmm. you, you know put that's words like, that's it. your hook. And then you put words And to you're it. in the middle yeah. of the day and all of a sudden you're like, record that hook. I have so many, I have so many, And if somebody else listened back to your phone, they would think you were a fucking Yeah, that's my biggest fear. That's why I have a lock on my phone. I'm like, don't go. That's hilarious. It's not because of porn or anything. It's just the stupid Look at my private photo. Don't listen to the voice memo. watch all my dirty home movies. Don't read my unedited <laughs> lyrics. You're going to see oh, more of my man. heart than I want you to. That's so funny. I have the weirdest lyrics in my phone, too, because I, I don't know. Like, if you're like me at all with lyrics, like, I don't get the whole song at once. Mm. I'll get an inspiration, and it might only be, like, two lines of mm-hmm. a song. Yep. And then I'll write that down, and then later I'll come back mm-hmm. and write a song around that idea. Yeah. yeah. But I get those ideas all the time. And sometimes cool. I read back around the idea and I'm like, that is the stupidest fucking thing yeah. ever. <laughs> Why did I even text that to myself? Right. Yep. Like, I need a better filter. I do that sometimes. <laughs> Listen to it and I'm like, no, nah, that's not the way I Or it sounds it. super sappy. Like, yeah. I don't really want to yeah. put that out there now. Like, <laughs> yeah. At the time, it sounded like I was really burying my soul. And now it just sounds like, I don't want people to know. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want people to know that. I don't want people to know. I'm that. all for burying my soul as long as it's so a good, funny. good side to be seen. Like, you don't need that side that's crying in the bathtub. Yeah, <laughs> rocking back and forth. What have I done with my life? <laughs> yeah, I can watch. Um, I can watch music documentaries all day. I just watched oh, a, yeah. a dope one on Rick James mm-hmm. and and how his mind was working. I'd like to see that. Um, Amazon, it's oh. on Amazon. So Rick James was was really cool. Is um, and you probably know about um about Bob Marley before Bob Marley was a roster fur and he mm-hmm. was. He was like a doo-wopper. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah, and the same thing was for Rick James. Rick James was, he he, he idolized the Beatles. He saw yeah. the Beatles and, wow. and was looking like a black Beatle. Eddie Murphy claimed wow. he was the first black Beatle. <laughs> That's hilarious. But No, it's true. A lot, of, a lot of people were yeah. trying to find their sound yeah. by just emulating what was out there. And so um, when he, he was on the run, and he went um, AWOL from the military. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he was in Canada. And that's when he was, you know, was picking up some of that sound. Then he came back to the States, and he heard Parliament Funk, and he heard, like, uh, Sly Stone. Okay. And he was like, oh, so this is what's going on? Yeah. I can do better than this. Right. Oh, man, <laughs> And if so I heard he that. went from fucking doo-wop uh, to, to that bump, 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 bump. It was like, that's the whole, the way his mind was working. It just, but... It was amazing because I watched him, Parliament Funk, George Clinton, how all them guys were doing. Who else? I can't remember who else. But you got to be such a fucking control freak mm. in order to have that type of fucking music. To be well, so, you know a, what I mean? Because it was leader. all them. It was like, yeah. this is my shit. This is what yeah. I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. that old school band leader thing yeah. you don't see much anymore. Like You still see it sometimes, but not very often. Not, not so. It's different. It's like, remember the, uh, the movie about James Brown that recently mm-hmm. came out? Yep. If you watch that, you see how much Another control. One. A control freak. Yeah. Very insecure. Yeah, 
But that oh, also James Brown control freak. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you played a wrong note, you get fired. Man, you oh, yeah. Or or fined. Fired or fined. Yeah. I mean, try to try to do that today. Try to tell one of your musicians in your band. Is that like, right? Oh, you, yeah. you. Hey, by the way, Anthony, you messed up on your solo, so that's fifteen <laughs> bucks off your pay. Like that Sorry, would end up bro. being somebody yeah. leaving a band over that nowadays. <laughs> And he ain't picked up one fucking instrument. (laughs) Dave didn't play one fucking instrument. No. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He played the crack pipe. He played that well. He had a wind instrument for a moment. He played them bitches. But I will say, you know, most music, what people don't realize is like, you can have all the ideas that you want. But most musicians aren't studio guys. Most musicians just know how to play wind instrument. They don't know anything about recording, they don't know anything Mm -hmm. about. Anything other than performing yeah. and songwriting, yeah. right? And so I think what's so important with people that are interested in music is when you hear kids that are like, oh, man, I really wish that I was talented. I wish that I could do this. I always encourage kids to get involved in production. Mm-hmm. Not to say that producers aren't right. talented, but it's a different type of talent. And there's so many aspects of it. Like in the old school, in the 70s, a music producer was not the same thing mm-hmm. either. In the 70s, a music producer was like who you hope to sign with. Mm-hmm. And mm, they would tell you, what you were going to release. It wasn't a collaborative. Right. It was, they, they were the ear. <laughs> yeah. You were the doer. They well, would tell you point. what to do. And if you played game and played ball, yeah, yeah. you got exactly. to have a record. And you could maybe, be the next big ABBA. Maybe <laughs> one, yeah, one <laughs> or two of those songs was actually change. your idea. That's how, you that's know? how rap is right now, really. Um, but with pop, it's teams. It's like what yeah. Carl was talking about. It's whole teams of people working to write what actually is some of the most simplified music that there is on the planet. Yep. That's what is the biggest ironic thing to me is that like the biggest pop hits that you hear, like, you know, the stupid, like, you know, chandelier song mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. you know, that just plays on the radio forever. That, if you look at the writing credits, it'll have like eight names. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Yeah, totally. There's yep. like only 14 words in the whole song. <laughs> yeah, and they have like, eight yeah. names on exactly. the song. Yep. Chandelier, uh, chandelier. <laughs> Uh, uh, chandelier okay. and then there's yeah. a guy that's and yeah. then there's a guy yeah. there that's, that's literally yeah. like that's why he's on the team that's why <laughs> well, and then he gets a writing credit for yeah. that <laughs> that's why i did this well who was i listening to somebody was saying that like they uh they made it so that everybody can get a cut from royalties from that cut so they put their names as mm-hmm. writers i think yeah. it might have yeah. been boys to men said that mm-hmm. some of us but they said that that's what they do they looked out for them like even though you didn't do much in this shit at all Right. That's you know, cool. And even yeah. if you didn't sing lead, like like you didn't, you never sung lead on any out songs, but right. still they put you on. Uh, Which makes sense in a group, but if you're if you're like that pop artist, mm-hmm. yeah, like I would be like, how many people wrote that song? How many yeah. people do I have to pay? Like the last song that was written by two people, we had two people to pay. Now there's <laughs> yeah. eight people on this. But, I, I think I'm getting scammed. <laughs> but like you said about jumping in on that production side, I came up with Pharrell. Right. Oh yeah, I came up for real. That guy doesn't age, and I never forget, man. Like we did a talent show. My group, my my, my lead singer, he was drunk, so he didn't make. We didn't. We, it was like some shit. Shit, shit out of the five heartbeats. Just <laughs> like we we had that one drunk in the fucking group right. that was oh, making no. shit hard for uh, us, straight ooh. out the fucking. And, and we were just trying to be like boys and men slash new edition. That was our thing. Yo, right. new edition's my, my, yeah. my jam. I like yeah, right. we were, and that's what we were focused on. And we were like, we were making some noise back east, man. So. We want to go to this talent show that Teddy Riley put on. Teddy Riley put on. And Pharrell had his group in there. And fucking Pharrell got picked. But just like you said, the whole thing about production studio shit, Pharrell went in there mm. and and started writing with Teddy on shit. Like, remember, um, remember fucking 
Rex in effect. Check right. baby, check oh, baby yeah. one, two, yeah. three, four. That's for real, Paul. For real, wrote that fucking part. Yeah. So after that, it's like him being in the studio with Teddy. That's when all that growth was coming from. Like, yeah, you can had a desire. Well, and to those guys and solidified their career for years. I Hello, mean, it's one thing. Day. It's one thing to be a rapper, wow. but if you're also a producer, till this guess day. what? You're still working. Yeah. You work and yeah. you're working hard. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's amazing though because I remember um, I grew up my I grew up loving Commodores, Cameo, Confunction, twenty piece bands, <laughs> yeah, average yeah. white band, all those That's, guys, right? Like I was talking about that. I wanted to put a funk band together so bad. I just love funk. I always have, and it's the hardest thing to do would be to put together a funk band because it's like get twenty people, Tw- twenty people just to align. <laughs> yeah, you need you know four and, guitar players and twenty yeah. people whose significant sax, others trumpets, all get along. Bongos, you know. stand around people, just I mean, stand yeah. around. Yeah, some hype men, hype men. Yeah, I need yeah. some hype men. Yeah, and, but <laughs> yeah, but nothing is more fun. But also, nothing is more unattainable. I mean, think about the troop that's required and how much mm-hmm. money you have to See, ask that's for what I'm saying. to be able so, to be. I remember watching the Commodores go from 15 to 4 motherfuckers. Yeah, right? because it sure did. Because now it's not about <laughs> instruments anymore. We got synthesizers. And that we was, got people to pay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that we ain't got to fucking pay you guys no more. Yeah. Now we got a machine. We can keep the four dudes that started with us back in 66. We got some robots. Lionel wasn't having it. Yeah, and it was like weird watching like, damn, man, that's fucked up how like, like I can go back now and watch Confunction, Commodores, Cameo videos. You can see them back in the 70s. Like now in the 80s, early 80s, the motherfuckers went down to four dudes and then they had the keyboard. You know how you had the keyboard? Oh, good yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that shit and started sometimes, changing. You sometimes like, one, one poor guy would have multiple duties, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, they couldn't afford to get the fifth guy. So one guy had to be, like, the keyboard and the, the bass player. So, like, when he's not playing bass, he's, like, trying to... <laughs> keyboard and bass. <laughs> he's just trying to finger everything all at the same time. Kind of like Zach. <laughs> like, oh, That's what you uh, would have in common. Yeah. I don't know which button it is. I gotta. I don't want to take a guess. One of the things. Take a guess. One of the things I wanted to talk about because, like, this is this is something to me that's really really cool. Is I love it when, um, as a music fan, when I get to hear a little bit about like philosophy. And so I've, I've got a story that I'll just a brief one that I'll tell sure. after I ask you, because I'm always curious about what people's philosophy is. I mean, we've had a chance to jam together. So like, I, I feel like we do speak a language already. Yeah. Sort of know where you come from. Mm-hmm. But uh, in your opinion, like if you were going to sum it up for any type of musician, doesn't matter what you're playing, like when you're on a track, when you're working with another artist, mm-hmm. it's part of a band or a duo or whatever, uh, what do you think the most important thing to keep in mind is? Like if you're going to be on someone's record or if you're going to record a music part as part of a band, like what would you give somebody like advice wise? Like what, what do you keep in mind when you're, you're trying to be the best version of you, I guess? Uh, like I said about making comedy analogies, like you play to the room, like right. you, you play to the song, you know, what serves the song best. That's what's going on. Like you can go in there and serve yourself or be like, mm-hmm. here's my, my, mm-hmm. my sound and this is me all over this. Or mm-hmm. you can walk in and just be, try to meld into that the best you can and not necessarily have to sound like yourself, but what serves the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I love that that was his answer because <clears throat> we have not pre meditated this conversation mm. in any way I, I told him i'm not going to give you any idea what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. but uh almost called you too i was like what are we going to talk about bro i know, <laughs> I know. Right? people, people want to know yeah. i'm like oh it's heckle proof man we keep it fresh they keep it fresh keep baby. it fresh but what happened was i was watching this show and they were interviewing it was mtv out of all things and they were interviewing a bunch of musicians about like what makes a great song 
as part of this show, they come down to a part where they're talking to a bunch of different guitar players and a bunch of different piano players. And they're, they're asking him like, <clears throat> what's your philosophy of, you know, what's good. And man, like there was just so many answers. Mm. There's so many answers. And then they go to a shot from uh, this thing that's called uh, NAM, which is a oh, yeah. North American music something conference yeah, show. Con- it's convention. a big show for like all the newest instruments coming out mm-hmm. and, and also for a place for people that are really solid players to like ex- expose themselves Network. as, as mm-hmm. available. So at the show, they pull this, this guitar player from like a band like rat out of the eighties, just mm-hmm. this dude that hadn't worked in years. Right. And they pull him in this, this thing. And they said in, in the fewest words possible, What's the best advice you could give to a musician when it comes to writing a song? And he literally said three words, serve the song. Uh, wow. That's exactly <laughs> what this cat just said. And the reason that's why cool. I asked you is because I had a feeling you were going to say that yeah, that's after having played that's with crazy. him. Mm-hmm. Like I tell the story I told, I think Zach in the beginning, mm-hmm. like one of my best memories that we have is uh, we go to this guitar event that happens multiple times a year. And I always look forward to seeing if you're going to show up, you know, because yeah. we like jamming Likewise. together. And we don't get to jam together very often. And Mm-mm. and I think it was the second time uh, I was there. The first time I was there, I was fucking terrified, man. I didn't feel good enough. Yeah, I feel you. I did I not feel, feel good enough to it's be invited. A, and that's another analogy when it comes to comedy. Oh, like, man, when I go to comedy man. festivals, oh, when man. I get in, it's just like... It's a whole different like, thing. Oh, I'm in the room with heavyweights, yes, right? Yes. I definitely know that feeling. And these guys are just... <laughs> <laughs> they're not like they're not like world famous, but they're like famous here locally, right? Yeah. So we're in the room with like these local celebrities, if you will, and these jams are normally super fun. But what always happens in a guitar room when you have a bunch of guitar guys is egos tend to take over, right? And so, like, if you're a pretty humble player, you just sort of like look around and go like, "Oh man, I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird spot here," because everyone's really trying to show off, mm-hmm. and like I just yeah. came to have fun. And so it's my second year. <clears throat> First year I was super nervous, but the second year I came and I was like, all right, I'm good enough to be here, damn it. I'm going to nut my, up and play some guitar. <laughs> I proved myself the first time around and I played multiple instruments. And so like, it's go. cool. I could fit in multiple rooms. There's like three different jams that happen in three different rooms. It's a real cool thing. So I end up in the electric room, which is my favorite room. It's where all the amps and guitars are, of course. Okay. So Anthony's there and me, and there's like, I don't know, four other guitar players that are there all in one room with this poor poor drummer yeah. and bass player that those, have to those guys con- that, yeah. contend with these guitar yeah. player egos. Oh, gosh. And so it's very much like this cheesy kind of like blues song that always tends to happen at these sure. jams. Like you have these ultra talented guys and they fucking play like Mustang Sally. It's like, come on guys. You, oh, that's you're all so good. And, yeah. and I, I'm always hoping for the organic jam. Like let's just play without mm-hmm. paint by numbers. Let's just play and see what happens. Right. So we're playing this silly bass song. And as the different solos are happening. It kind of goes around the room and each one of the guitar players is just like, man, right. Just like, look at me. And they're just like putting all their testosterone and ego into every note they're playing. Right. And then they're looking at the other guy, like beat that. (laughs) And and that's how this order of things goes. And, and so you're like standing sort of like where you are and I'm where Zach is. And so it came around to you. And I remember like you just did this real tasty blues jam, but you weren't like trying to, blow anyone out of the water you were just like serving the song right so you're just doing what sounded good for the song i was like man that sounded cool 
hear these other guys are, you know, it's like trying to do yeah, they're going three hand tapping on a blues track. Like what has <laughs> happened? You don't put Van Halen on the blues. So anyway, it comes to him and now I'm like, I'm feeling intimidated, right? Cause I, I'm not that great of a soloist. I'm a rhythm player, okay. which people love at jams. Mm-hmm. But if you put a rhythm player on the spot, a lot of times you get like a very like guitar hero sounding solo, like, bling, 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 bling. <laughs> like you're missing notes. So anyway, when he's playing, I start kind of changing the rhythm up because I, I hear a different like chorus, or not chorus, but like a melody that goes along with what he's doing, right? So I kind of change up the rhythm and I'm playing this cool little rhythm shift. He picks up on it and he starts jamming. So then it switches to me and he kept doing what I was doing, you know, instead of just like dropping out, like, okay, I'm done. You know, he's right there like supporting as I'm doing my little mm-hmm. solo piece. And I just left this biggest impression because immediately after that, the whole thing cycled back around again. And there was another guy that was like literally calling him out going like riff for riff, riff oh, for riff. Come went, on, riff that wasn't for riff. fun. <laughs> and it's not fun. It's not like this should be a fun. So jam. what was his reason for ego? Yeah, he wanted to. It, here's a younger player uh-huh. who clearly threatened him. Mm-hmm. And so he had to step up and show that he was the alpha guitar yeah. player. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, none of the musicians in the room really cared about that. We were just right, there that's to have what a good I'm, that's time. That's what I'm thinking. But we had I, a great time that day. And did. I'm glad that you remember that because it was fun. It was, like, in this whole room of people, like, you and I had a moment and a good, just good fun. It was kind of like, you see what's forth. happening right yeah. now? And we're yeah. both looking at each other like, man, we should just be jamming. Right, you know? right. And then I think we did. We we They were playing cover songs, and finally we were like, we need to just jam, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the drummer there... He was like, yeah, let's jam. And so the three of us just busted into a jam and everybody had to follow it. And it did kind of change the whole thing because now all of a sudden these guys who were here to show up and show off, like that solo they might have been practicing for two to three weeks, <laughs> yeah. right? They weren't playing that song anymore. So now we changed the game. They did, if they pre-wrote anything, their game was out the window. Now mm-hmm. they had to improvise and I think it scared them a little bit. Yeah. They're like, but I wrote this for Mustang Sally. Like, that's what we always play. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember, man... Um, when, when my group, because I'd never been in a recording studio, and I still never have been in a recording studio, but we recorded a song, and i never forget it was like, a, um, when I was growing up in the apartment complex, right below us was these siblings, and they were a cover band of Prince. Mm. I'm talking about Dirty that's not, Mind. Where that's was not that? easy. Where, where were you growing up? Uh, in Virginia. Cool. Yep. I'm talking about Dirty Mind. Remember that mm. album? Mm. So that was during that time. So that's, that's not easy to play. Yeah. Right? So it was so I would never forget when I would come downstairs all the time and hang out with them and I had this derby. I don't know. I got to think I got it from Musical Youth. Remember Musical Youth? Oh yeah, I'm definitely the remember. Kid, dirt, the kid from the league had yeah, a derby bro. and I had a fucking sure derby did. like kid from Musical Youth cuz I was that same age and I told people to me I look like them. So I used to I was always into music cuz it was New Edition, Musical Youth. Running house, so I and I used to go downstairs with them, and they used to jam out, and I used to try to sing lead for them while they played would be Prince songs, whatever. Oh yeah. So they did a lot of rock and roll. I never forget, like Thirty Eight Special. It was like Prince, a lot of good shit, man. Yep. Back in the um in the early eighties. So as I got older, start forming my groups, f- coming full circle back with them. They they were now ready in the producing place, so they produced some of our music for my group. Oh, that's cool. And the crazy thing about it is, like, I didn't know shit about no studio. Never been in one. So we recorded our shit in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and you probably got a good sound on yeah, the studio. They put up the, yeah. they okay. put up the uh, what is it called? The, the shit, like the, the padding. Yeah. yeah sound they, baffle, they, baffle, yeah, like, yeah they had us in, a, in the closets and shit. Like, yeah. dude, I was like, these motherfuckers, like, probably did work out pretty good. Kidnapping us. And, 
<laughs> we got to harmonize. Yeah, that, that's this is music. My, we we tied up, but we got to harmonize. Most that's of one of my favorite things about producers, though. Like, you don't realize, like, in order to do what that is now, you have to be able to play music. You have to be able to record music. But more than that, you have to know why you're recording the reason yeah. the way that you are because of recording it's a, that's a whole art and one of my favorite guys who we're going to have on eventually too is Mark Johnson who I know you know yeah. uh, Mark Johnson he's a, a studio what they call audio engineer so his specialty is recording people and uh, he's played on some of my music before too he's also a, a fantastic player but whenever you get to work with one of these guys, man, I'd like, I just, you, the knowledge that you have in your head blows me away. Cause I'm like a budding producer. I have, mm -hmm. I've only done my own stuff yeah, and right. like you know, some friends of mine, but, uh, the way that things are recorded, it would blow you away, man. I remember uh, working with Mark Johnson and him putting, um, my amps in his shower uh -huh. <clears throat> and he's like, we're going to get the best sound out Damn. of your amps yep. if they're in my That's shower. Crazy. Some yeah. of those early, water on. early recordings, like, uh, the doors he used to sing in a bathroom. Yeah, 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 see? The Beatles Reverb. used to do yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. snares in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. What, um, what producers <clears throat> inspire you? Like, like coming up in your years, what, what producers were you looking at? Like me, like, you know, they ask comics, mm -hmm. who's your favorite comic? Sure, I, can lay, right. I can lay 30 comics out for you. They were like, <laughs> all and you, and you right. might know some of those names. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> might know. Exactly. Well, like you were saying, like you, you mentioned New Edition and those kind of things. I listened to that stuff coming up. I mean, I the... The list is really long, but like, yeah, I, I love a lot of that kind of music and Prince as well. I mean, but as far as favorite uh, producers, I got so steeped in reggae that um, some of my favorite producers are definitely reggae cats that mm -hmm. a lot of people might not know or whatever. But um, and you said musical youth. That's funny because uh, I, I want to say I was six years old when I had that record mm -hmm. and loved it so much i loved that whole band so mm -hmm. much and didn't even fully know why but it was like <laughs> yeah i yeah. don't know why i love this but it's in me yeah because honestly <laughs> it was like they were considered one hit yeah one but i had the whole album me so too. i played it all so i was like oh this shit and that was probably my first introduction to reggae i probably i, I heard it probably didn't know what i was hearing mm -hmm, me either probably yeah. didn't know i was hearing bob Marley. i did probably know what i was hearing Although, cause, because before there was Bob Marley, there was other reggae legends, too. This, so. this will make you laugh. When I was in third grade, I remember trading a pin with a guy in class for his, uh, my thriller, Michael Jackson thriller one, that's Michael Jackson, right. for his Culture Club pin. Mm -hmm. Because I liked Culture Club, and I didn't know why, because they were a reggae band. And that, I liked the bass player. He, mm -hmm. I could tell he knew what he was know. doing something different. Yeah, it's like the just, police. Were you a police fan and didn't know? Yeah, why yeah, to? yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a good point. A lot of those British bands had a reggae. Yes. So yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. a lot of it's us. Just the bass player was if, on the up, or yeah, the keyboard was on. If the you up. go back right. to the eighties, yeah. and you, you listen to those British bands in the eighties, mm -hmm. they all has a reggae feel to it. Mm -hmm. It just made that shit that much better, like you said that that maturity and that class and just that feel. So it's true. They didn't affect it. So much. I mean, even had like you know, Dire Maker by mm -hmm. Zeppelin, which had this big yeah. reggae feel in it. Like it, it broke into classic rock. It got into everything. Yeah, it was much like Soul did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Soul, Soul bled into everything. Well, hell, that's why you got like that's why you see all those British singers. The motherfuckers can sing. Oh yeah, those were Elton John. Uh, I mean, like even Duran, Adele, all those oh, fucking yeah. guys oh, can gosh. sing. Like David I was honestly Boy. a little bit worried when she started losing all that weight that somehow I was going to change her tone because she had such like a <laughs> right. big sound. Sure, yeah. They thought and the I, same I, thing about Luther. Right, yeah. and I love it how like it doesn't matter. No. You know, like it you didn't. could Aretha Franklin could have been like a size two and still belted Hell it out. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Amy Winehouse. Like, she was like a size two and still Well, she was amazing. Yeah, yeah she was voice, really good. She, yeah. Her voice is phenomenal. That's one of those, like, if people always say, like, if you could resurrect a dead artist mm-hmm. to work with, like, she's always on my list. So raw. Her voice you is know? so raw. Yeah, I love, I love voices that sound like that person's just had yeah. shit life. I don't know what yeah. it is. Now, you know it's a so horrible thing to say, but like is, the yeah. worse off your life has been, the more I want to hear you sing. It's got that well, rustic, shit, it's like a rustic <laughs> feel to it. Yeah. Well, you voice. know, listen to uh, Temptations, David Ruffin. Mm-hmm. David Ruffin, like you, you really about all them groups like that, those, those Motown groups, that sound, they had so much passion in their voice because it was so much that they were experiencing yep. through the civil rights days, poverty, mm-hmm. uh, discrimination, all that stuff. So they, and it always sounded happy, even if it wasn't. Yeah. That so that was the interesting thing, man. Right. So like David Reggae Ruffin can do that too. Sure. Mm-hmm. So David Ruffin grew up, um, um, he was, uh, abused. He didn't have a, his, his, his parents didn't love him. They were abusive, a lot of neglect. And he carried a lot of that pain forever. And he died high actually. But David Ruffin, if you listen to some of his songs, he just belts all that shit out because he's just singing from the core of all his pain. And he just waited for the fucking bottom to fall from under him. Like, because this is too huh. good for to be true, for uh-huh. me to be in fucking yeah. group temptations. But mm-hmm. he could never accept, mm. like, dude, you're all right. You're in good hands. You got a good thing going. He could never accept that's because. A, that's a good thing to bring up. Like, was there, was there a point for you when, because uh, I know there's always a point for every person that's doing anything in music where you're you're like, I need, I'm going to give this up. It's not working. But what was the point for you where, like, I guess you realized it was working? Like, where you realized, like, not only should I be here, but this is where I'm meant to be. Was it was it over time? Or can you, like, look at maybe one thing in particular where you're like, oh, shit, okay. As much doubt as I might have, this is really where I need to be. So I'm from originally from Flint, Michigan. Oh, yeah. I was born there. And, uh, Trayvon Green. It's probably when I was in the studio. And the, the, the next studio, I was 15 or 16, and some people had me in to play some guitar and in the next studio over was DeBarge. I was just about to say that because they from Grand Rapids. <laughs> it's totally from Yeah. It's and I, I was like, oh, I made it. Right. Or, or at <laughs> least, oh, I made it. I'm going to be doing this, you know. So it was pretty And funny. they were a Motown group. They were yeah. the they were going to be the next Jacksons. Yes. Yep. The Barge was the shit. The Barge was large. The Barge was large. <laughs> That's what I love about this podcast. If you follow us long enough, you get music recommendations. Yeah. Obviously. And your ass will be sitting at your computer just referring to going to Google shit. Okay, what was it that Carl said I should yeah. look at? Musical youth. Like, damn. What was that band from the 40s that Matty was yeah. talking about? <laughs> oh, man. I love how you make me out to be the I oldest know, right? one. It's just because Carl don't have no gray yet. I got a, got little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. I'm looking at you two. It's like, damn, I I'm, I'm getting grand. there. I'm getting. I'm there. These right. guys are going full blown John Travolta already. I blame, yeah. I blame <laughs> John Travolta got gray. I blame my children, yeah. but like in a good way. I wanted to go gray. I was one of those weirdos. Me too. George, George Clooney. He was the, like, he was I, the first guy that made. Like, I saw Gandalf. Cool, I think. Oh, you know, like Gandalf. early on, not not like late. Oh, like, oh, oh. Like uh, early on, like uh, the wizards of, yeah. the, of yore, if you will. I saw those wizards when I was a little kid, and I was like, man, I dig that. Like that long white hair, that's cool shit. That's, that's cool <laughs> shit. Like other kids were like, I want to be a fireman. I'm like, I want to be Gandalf. Yeah, I want to be Gandalf. <laughs> I was thinking on the way here, and you mentioned about uh, Ruffin, who's singing, and it's all that passion and everything. And I thought on the way here, I was like thinking about blues. And right. one of the things about you can't fake it, and that's what will mm-hmm. make good Music in general, but uh, blues especially is one of them that requires a lot of emotion or at least requires knowing from a place of knowing from a place. Mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. without a lack of a better word. Absolutely. And this is funny because when I moved out to Oregon, I was 18 and my f- best friend at the time was like, I think he was 55, older dude who played harmonica. 
And this guy read. He was amazing. And he would he showed me how to grow weed and all kinds of stuff and just cool shit. And, like, it was amazing having a really older friend. And we got along so well. But we I remember the day vividly. We pulled into this gas station. I was sitting there all bummed because there, I had this beautiful girlfriend and we broke up. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was that day. And I was yeah. just, like, <laughs> bumming. And he goes... You feel that? Yeah. You feel yeah, that? Right. And you mm-hmm. you use gotta it. take that and use it and like that's where it's at and that's why and like a lot of stuff made sense. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. when Absolutely. Marvin Gaye did what's going on that album, Marvin Gaye was a smooth cat. Mm-hmm. If you remember b- before what's going on album, Marvin Gaye was was suited up, was smooth, but Marvin he stepped was, into the movement right when he hello. released that. And that record, <laughs> that record is a veiled yes. black power movement yes. record. Wow. And if yeah. you really listen to the lyrics now, mm-hmm. knowing that, like go back and listen to that huh. lyric. Oh, that whole fucking record is like, yes. how did nobody tell me that this was like this? <laughs> yes. It's almost like as if Rage Against the Machine would have been a surprise. Yeah. Like if their name was like just called Complacency. Right, and then and you bought the record, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh my gosh, it says fuck the government." Yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of what happened with yep. that record, man. Interesting. That what's going on? Oh, those lyrics. Yeah, because Barry mm. Gordon was like, "This is not what you do." It was so. He was like, "You gotta." It, it was huh. so pretty, but man, that those lyrics. Yeah, man. and he had on a denim outfit like, with with little stones on it. He was like, "And change your outfit, you yeah, look what, like a bum." Yeah, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? And that album went on to be like his best work. Yeah. Because, like you said, he felt that. Right. He was, mm-hmm. he was, it, he was in the midst of it. How can he not? And the greatest thing is, that's a light rock sound. Yeah. It's a very angry lyric behind it. Mm. Imagine trying to put your anger into a light rock format. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> that's not the, so easy, you know? And, and the, he did it. He made it sound smooth. And that's yeah. why I, mean, I wish I could be in the studio when stuff <laughs> like that going down. When he starts to that. Dup, dup, da, da. Dup, dup. Uh, like where's all that coming from and that band is just probably like go with this go with this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he knows what he's doing Marvin's going some some people are are kind of genius I mean like I, I think Brian's that way I brought him up before Brian Reisling he's mm-hmm. one of the most genius players I've ever seen like he comes into any band and within seconds he can just drop right into your f- your style and your fit and find yeah. something that works awesome. in multiple keys he'll bring like two different saxes or three different saxes like who does that Mm-hmm. You know, I felt pretty privileged to work with anybody like that and even to be able to jam with people, you know, that get it and that it play and all those different. Mm-hmm. So when you produce, because I remember like I was, I think we were talking before you came, like there was a time when I can't remember when we brought it up actually, but it was a time when artists used to be, oh yeah, it was right before you came, I was talking about when, when Biggie and Bone Thugs and Harmony mm-hmm. produced mm-hmm. a record. Like they, he was saying, and this was like 90. Six, he was like, "Oh no, it wasn't none of that." Email me your your verse. We were all in the fucking studio yeah, doing yeah. it. Like yep. so, so same place. What is that like now? Is that when it comes to recording and producing? Is it all this shit? I'll sing you mine, and it's so international. Like you got it. Like yeah, yeah. Okay, because international just, that makes sense, especially yeah. instead of somebody just being fucking lazy. Yeah, like what would you even say the percentage of artists that you physically met uh, is that you worked with? Yeah, there's been point. way less than you know. I've, not a lot of them. Right. Especially wow. when I worked with uh, Jamaica for so long. For about 10 years, I worked with uh, the biggest distribution label out of Jamaica. And they would send me stuff to work on here in, mm-hmm. in Oregon. And uh, either 
Ashland or Williams or Talent, wherever I was at the time, mm-hmm. Small Axe Studios was mm-hmm. pretty mobile. It's mobile. Yeah. <laughs> now, were you were you mastering and mixing at that point for them? Yeah. Okay. And if they needed a bass track, if they needed a keyboard track or a guitar or anything, I'd throw it on there. And okay. Take care oh, of wow. it. So when people, when these artists get to that point, like when, um, like actually Bone Thugs and Harmony was just talking about this, how they're just now owning their masters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what does that mean to these artists? Because I, I remember like years ago when Ray Charles was one of the first to own his masters. Like when did motherfuckers start realizing what what would it mean? Because the word the master side. says a lot in that situation. It's, it's like, very debatable. Yeah, part of that is a ugly say, side of things. Because I'm gonna say Prince is partially responsible. That's for that. right. When he mm. when he put slave on his face, right? Wasn't even that before. The time? It, just his negotiation style. He was one of the first artists to ask for exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Ask for rights. There is a there's a dark side to music, and oh yeah, like yeah. we could talk about that for just a minute VH1 because it is it, it'll bring us to a spot. So like contracts and that kind of thing, um, it can be so wrong and just. BB King never made money for years, like ever. Like he got so screwed by his management and that kind of thing. So that's one ugly side of it, is the bureaucratic side of it, the, the paperwork, the, the contracts mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, that can turn really ugly really fast. But another thing that sucks about music or bands is when people don't get along and you watch these behind the, the scenes stories about, about Journey, okay? Yeah. Just for one example. <laughs> or Fleetwood Mac. The, 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 Fleetwood Mac, yeah. yes. The singer from Journey, uh, Steve Perry. Steve he Perry. Would, yeah. He'd ride in his own tour bus. He never hung out with the band. They never like linked and got along. And then in this documentary I was watching and he's like, I never felt like I was part of the band. Because you chose not to be. Right. And the rest of the guys were like, he said that? That's so bizarre. Like, why would anybody say that? So they, they're not even friends. They're not even right. friends. And like, I watched that and that's when I was living in Williams at the time. And I was walking down the street to the general store that's like this old hundred year general store, this mountain town, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's the only store. And I thought to myself, I kind of made it like mm. I'm okay. I don't have those demons behind me. I'm those not demons. bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Like the, the journey, uh, bass player bankrupt. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. I remember Just like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the way it normally works with uh, a young band, especially is young bands and bands that have no representation that sign to a label typically don't understand all of what they're signing. True. And what they'll do is they'll give you this advance, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And the advance allows you to live your dream for a minute because you get to buy your new outfits for a minute and your better guitar and all the stuff that you wanted that you said like if I make it I'm going to get all this stuff right so then you buy all the stuff and then what you don't realize in your contract is that you actually owe that back through Mm -hmm. royalties so if your albums don't sell as well as they want them to you actually owe money back based on what they gave you as an advance right so what happens to a lot of bands is then they get stuck in a cycle of Mm -hmm. touring yeah, it's, it's like a loan. Like somebody gives yeah. you a loan. They're forced to tour. Yeah, on their own expense, they're not getting paid for it mm-hmm. at all. They're paying off a debt mm-hmm. for it. The and that's only, what the only thing they actually get to keep a lot of times is their merchandise, which is why it's so important. Yeah. Like if you really support an artist, grab some merch because normally, yeah. anymore it's not CDs, it's not radio play. It's you don't get any of that. You only get merch. And sometimes a little bit of ticket sales, if you're lucky. And so normally people take this deal, and it's the only deal they have. And they think, well, we're finally going to have a marketing team, right? They're going to push us. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they go and they record this record, and they owe all this money. And then they wait because they're they're like, oh man, can you can 
can you wait for it? They're going to put us in magazine ads and everything like mm-hmm. that. And then all of a sudden they're like looking around, they're going like, where's all the ads? Hmm. Like, how come we're not in any magazines? Mm-hmm. How come our album yep. is not on a billboard anymore? Yep. How come we're not in a commercial? How come we're not on an MTV yeah. spot? Like what's going on? And then they start making phone calls that never get returned. Yeah. Right? And the people Jeez. literally go, our deal was we will pay for your recording and we'll pay you this advance. And then you owe us back. Advance. That was our, mm-hmm. that was our deal. Just scares me because you, you know, it's alone. The, you know where the wild goose is, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm in there, it's a bar and there's this guy, he's all slumped over and he's drinking. And I'm like, Hey bro, what's, what's going on? He's like, uh, I lost everything. And I'm like, what's, what's up? And he's like, I'm a musician. And I was given like a hundred grand like advance. And he goes, I bought a house mm-hmm. and then my wife left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, it's just a terrible story. And I think that in hip hop uh, for a while, it was really bad where it's like, oh, you want a record deal, which everybody does. Everybody's mm-hmm. hungry for that. So it's like, here's this loan that we're going to mm-hmm. give you that you're going to go yeah. bankrupt and you're just yeah. going to fail and bomb and fail. Yeah, unless you're one of the, you know, one out of a hundred who yeah. actually makes a, a silver thousand. release. Yeah. Yeah. They don't you tell know. you that. They don't tell you any of that. Like, oh, all the ideas you came up for this stage production. Right. Oh yeah, we pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they don't tell you well, any of that until the original the thing you brought up was really rights, and you're absolutely you're correct. So, like for example, they um, a, a good even in, on a good deal, you try to get people screwing the artists. Sometimes, like uh, with Michael Jackson, he had all these special things he developed, like those shoes with the hooks in them mm-hmm. for him to be able to do his lean. And they straight up through the studio tried to take that as intellectual rights. No, you developed that as part of your stage show with us. That's part of our we own the oh, rights wow. to the show. Yeah. And he was able to mm. fight back some of that. Yeah. But that's why uh, it's so important. Like when you're talking about owning your masters, it's something that doesn't happen if you're on a deal. It just doesn't happen anymore because that's the point of the deal. That's the leverage they have against you. Mm. Yeah. Is they own your master. And because they own your master, they own you. <laughs> didn't, didn't Michael Jeez. Jackson get the Beatles masters? Didn't yeah, he did. That yeah. Yeah. Through a really weird contract negotiations yeah. the Beatles weren't allowed to repurchase their own music yeah. unless they had it had been sold a certain amount of times and so Michael Jackson actually claims that he bought that to be able to resell back to them because he would be the last owner in that number of times it had to be resold before that's interesting it could be sold back shit they, but then he never resold it yeah yeah. yeah I mean him and Paul were boys like say say they were say, boys yeah. what you want and you pull can that can you imagine shit, that can you but imagine I guess, if I ended I guess up owning your music Michael turned to him one day and he, he, he Michael said Michael turned to him one day and said hey I'm gonna buy all your songs one day and and Paul McCartney goes, yeah, yeah right Mike yeah, right. And it happened. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. Yeah, right, Michael. Yeah. Don't walk the fuck out of here. No, that's a good point, though. I think that's why it's cool to talk about all this stuff with music. I think this episode, to me, was always going to be special because I love everything about music. And yeah. I have seen so many people chase the dream of getting signed, and then some of them stay, and some of them kind of crash and burn. It just depends on what it is. But to me, I think the, the most important thing about music is that it was something that it isn't anymore. And it it's was like, it's something. something that I hope we can someday get back. Yeah. And part of what was so amazing about music is the power that we gave yeah. to music. We assigned mm-hmm. it a certain amount of power back in the day Big time. when that new record was coming out. It was like mm-hmm. the only thing you were thinking about. It's the same thing people do when they camp out to see a stupid Star Wars yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. People used to camp out at Hell the record yeah. store at the mall, yeah. you know, to see, get that new Prince yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. you want to be the first to go one. To concert too. And it's also because it used to be the ownership was a big deal. It wasn't like that song was going to be on the radio for a while when gotcha, that album yeah. came out. So if you were that friend that had the record, everybody wanted 
want to come to your house and listen to the new Zeppelin record yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. It was kind of a cool communal thing. It's like, hey, man, I got this new Tina Turner. Yep. Come right. over and check it out, and you get all your boys together. And that's what I appreciate about my mom, her, mu- her love for music, because my mom had album covers, rows that could come out to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. She had albums, and, and, and Marvin Gaye said the best, music is the soul of the man. Yep. So I remember my mom would be playing Yellow Brick Road, or she'll be playing Doobie Brothers, or whatever she's playing, I can tell that's what mood she's in. Something's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, we talk about a certain record. Mm-hmm. Certain yeah, records come playing, on, you stay away from mom. She was yeah. playing some yeah. James Ingram. She's heartbroken, some shit. Just, yeah. you know, or that fucking debauch. Yeah. A dream, a simple fan. That was the one Tupac <laughs> sampled for. Oh, yeah. I ain't mad at oh, you. Yeah. But I can, my, that was my mom's oh, like, song. I knew my mom was having a hard time. It was like some relationship drama. Oh, song. yeah. My mom's was Air Supply. Yeah. When that, I'm all out of love, <laughs> so lost. That shit would come on. I was like, oh, dad fucked up. Oh, oh. Dad's in the doghouse. Yeah, I remember Bohemian Rhapsody a lot growing up. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know what Mama. that would mean. I, I hope yeah. that wasn't the song that they played when they are mad, though, because that'd be a really <laughs> weird choice. I know. <laughs> so I want to know, before we get too lost in conversation, um, talk to me a minute about where people can find some of the music you worked on. We, we always try to, like, yeah. you know, help people for our guests. Mm-hmm. They want to look up your work and stuff like that. And I know there's so many things that you could plug, but over the years, it'll probably even change about which stuff you choose you want people to see. But it's, what would it's you say? in that zone right now where I'm like, I'm not pushing some of the stuff I kind of want to take off the internet. And right. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. That's with age. I'm ready to get some new stuff out <laughs> Oh, I see there. what you're saying. Okay. So, but if there was a place to send people, where would you feel safe for them to check out your work? What would you feel or maybe, safe? <laughs> or maybe drop a record that you would say like, oh man, check out this record. I did, I did this on that. I mean, there's tons of YouTube links, but I can't really say a link and this kind of thing right now. But um, right. Well, we you'll, can you'll have to stay tuned too. because I'm really into my new music and I kind of want what I'm talking about. So what, you, what are you working on right now then? Yeah, there we go. I have a lot of instrumental kind of stuff that nice. uh, I'm really having a great time with because I'm playing at these wineries where I'll show up and I've got <clears throat> a loop pedal that's got oh, that's a bunch awesome. of different Ooh, awesome. Those are that's so awesome. dope. tracks in it already. Oh. And I can just play over them and I like different sections. Here's a chorus, here's a bridge, here's the... And then I just started writing a bunch of songs. And so now I've got a very long set that I can play at these wineries mm. and that kind of thing. And Good I ass. really enjoy doing it because that's cool, man. it's super mellow uh, music. And the thing that's cool about it is it's not a Mimi thing like at all. Like I'll play it. Right. Like I love playing at Schmidt winery. It's really swanky and nice or whatever, but it creates a vibe for people to chill and have fun. Yeah. Right. And, and I you also, don't, you don't have to be the centerpiece of yeah. it. You can be yeah. like part of the painting. Totally. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, what would I want to hear? Would I want to hear some guy up there going, <laughs> or, right. or something a serve little. Serve the fucking song. If there's the only one baby. thing you learn from and, this, it's yeah. like you said, True. know your crowd. Yeah, yeah, know that crowd. Know your crowd. Know that crowd. Yeah, a winery, you're not going to want that. So what, what, no. are, what are you playing under? It'd be a guy sitting with his girl. That's the last thing he wants to deal yeah. with. You know? <laughs> so what name are you playing under for this project? Anthony Cazenza. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So just yeah. under your name and like, what do you got coming up? Um, let's see. Keep in mind, it takes a while for this show to come out. So <laughs> Man, feel free to think, push stuff that's after the, the first same of the shit year. Like, like, let's yeah. put the date. Let's put the actual date on that bitch. Yeah. Right now, I'm playing with the Roadsters. Okay. A local, uh, 
cover band that they play uh, a lot of weddings, a lot of parties, and a lot of uh, venues around here. I've been doing shows with them nearly every weekend since I've been with them for the last, like, three months. Oh, wow. And they are, they've oh, been around great. for 10-plus years? They've totally been around and established in, in the Valley, and I'm, I'm very uh, happy to see how they kick ass. People, yeah. people yeah. come out That's and awesome. see them, and they put on a great professional show. Mm. I, get to, I get to play with these guys. They're very good, and uh, that's what I'm mostly doing now. You'll see we just played two nights uh, last night and the night before at Grape Street. Oh, there you go. And, um, boy, they had the whole place full the whole night, so I can't complain. Like, the shows have been great, and uh, I'm getting to stretch out. I get to play some country, and we we were talking about Sweet Home Alabama, and that was our uh, (laughs) sound check, I think, the night before or something like that. There's a bit of that going on. (laughs) But the thing is, is, like, I'm at a point where I'm finding that fun because – I'm not going to try sticking, just staying in one box. Can't like right. country, yeah. gu- country guitar, those some bad ass boys. Oh, like man. in Nashville, that's Quiet where. Cap. You're right. They are. They're wicked. It's, there's. For sure. It's really challenging to do it. And so I'm, I'm having fun kind of messing around with that tone and that kind of vibe. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I encourage you to go out and see this man play because I have seen him play through various iterations. Um, I, I think the first thing I saw you in was cultivators probably mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh so it's been interesting throughout the years but definitely go check out his work and we will have some links that we can probably by the time they we'll throw up some here. youtube yeah. links for you to check out but yeah. <clears throat> i really appreciate you being here yeah man yeah, and taking time yeah. with us thanks you guys awesome. and uh again ross cricket yeah Ross that's how I, that's how i've always known so yeah. I, I appreciate you just being here and always appreciate our, our chances yeah, to jam so Thank you. Thank you. Major, major props. Thanks for, for talking to these boys. It's fun bit. for me yeah. hanging out with some comedians because yeah. I look at your guys' industry and I want it to thrive just as much as yeah. music because mm-hmm. we're all entertainers and that is not easy to do. It's not easy. Right. For some uh, people, it's the scariest thing ever. Yeah, it is, man. And, and one thing I appreciate what you were saying, like know your audience because uh, a kid who I've been working with, he hit me up because he got a gig up in Seattle. And he gets there. He's like, oh, they want a PG-13 show. I don't have PG-13. And I was right. like, at this point, you should never be able to say, I don't have. Mm-hmm. You got to be right. able to be ready for your audience. Because I know you got to have a catalog full of jams because mm-hmm. it's at a winery. Yep. You yeah, know, different crowd. Yeah. So different. it's like when you, when you go somewhere, man, you got to mm-hmm. be able to have, I told him, I said, put a set together and just you just take out the profanity, sexual, mm-hmm. uh, uh, visual stuff. But. You have it. You have yeah. it. You just gotta. You don't realize yeah. it. You just gotta put it. your shit together and make sure you're ready for it. Because somebody call you up and ready to do it, you can't be. Like, I don't have it. Like, uh, then you're not a pro. And did that change his game? Yeah, he thought. I said, then you're not a pro. I said, you're not a professional yeah. because people are putting you in positions to do shows now. Like they want to. Mm-hmm. You have no excuse. That's great advice. Ready. With anything. Yeah. How bad do you want it? Yeah. Step exactly. <laughs> because of the, because you attract shit. That's how it works. In this business, you attract people. It goes back to this old saying, it's not what you know, but who you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I guarantee I could like say. Carl, I mean, you wouldn't have had half your opportunities that had not been for me. Maddie, if it wasn't for fucking Maddie, I wouldn't I mean, even be in Medford. <laughs> kind of a big deal mm-hmm. over here. I don't, I don't like to brag, but brag. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> brag, but brag. No, seriously, I, I miss filming this show. Thank you guys for waiting yeah. for a while Heck for yeah. our new ones to come that out. Was great. I enjoyed listening to you guys all talk about um, your musical experiences yes. growing up because you guys are all we, 40 years older than me. So it was yeah, cool we are. You were like, I didn't even know they made the music OGs. then. I thought it was just like sticks and rocks. I know, yeah. exactly. They had like, instruments? What? Wow. What? 
That's too funny. No, well, I look forward to coming and seeing you guys doing something somewhere. Yeah, man. Hopefully my soon, spot is, yeah. Maddie puts some dope-ass shows here at his home with some beautiful shows. Yeah, great I'd shows, like to do that. Man. And, and they can check me out at Chadwick's every weekend. I put on my show. I got touring comics that come from all over. Very cool. Up mm-hmm. in there, man. Every weekend is popping. It's a so. good show, for sure. Mm-hmm. Our producer, Levi, too. You don't get to see him yet, but yeah, we're going to yeah. have Levi on an upcoming yeah. show very soon. Yeah, and, we will. And uh, Levi, also great comic. And I get to work with Levi every once in a while. I just and did he produced shows with Black him. Market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black Market Comedy There's, gave me my first shot. I did a show with them mm-hmm. last week. Wow. It's great. He actually uses Levi sandbags to hold down the lighting here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that he made himself. <laughs> he damn sure does got fucking sandbags. <laughs> Levi used sandbagging son of a gun. <laughs> Levi <laughs> cut us some, some Levi jeans. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to put a <laughs> still. This podcast is sponsored by Levi Jeans 501s. We'll have to put a still oh boy. a still image of this man up so you guys can see what <laughs> know, Levi looks exactly like. Exactly put it right back there. We could actually make him look like whoever we want. They True. don't really know what he looks Hell like. Yeah. Sloth from he could just look like a really dude. You said that's so funny you said that because I never watched the Goonies and yesterday I started watching it. You never watched the credits was coming on. What do you mean started watching it? Like it's a Netflix. I never seen it. He says it like it's a Netflix series. I started watching it. Well, I didn't get very far. Carl's old. He falls asleep. I had to go somewhere, but I was like, let me watch this shit. But that's a good movie. That was filmed in Oregon, Astoria. Yeah, but all those all those kids became amazing adult stars. And guess what? I watched right after that. What? The Outsiders. What? Oh, okay. What? Stay gold. Another th- another <laughs> one where the young bucks were but young back then became oh, yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. So those Dang. movies were great. Some good Goonies ones. came uh, Outsiders came out in nineteen eighty three and Goonies came out in nineteen eighty five. Wow. So that was I didn't realize some for amazing the work. The first Star Wars came out in seventy seven. Sure did. Oh, and Superman seventy seven. And Superman came out in seventy eight. I came out in 91. I came out in 78, coincidentally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Heckle Proof Podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, we hope that you do like and subscribe. But more importantly than anything else, we don't have a giant budget. So if you would like other people to hear us, we can only humbly ask that you tell your friends, family, loved one, and or enemies about this show. That's right. Everybody and anybody. HeckleProofPodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow us wherever fine podcasts are streaming.